Amen. Praise God. Praise God. What's going on, everybody? We greet you in the grace, peace, joy, and love of God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love to the family. Oh, come on. Y'all can do better than that. There's too many folk in here for that weak love. Come on. Love to the family. Thank God for his love that we can share with one another. Come on, if you know God's been good to you and he's worthy of some praise. Amen. So, y'all, I, I went to Kansas City, Missouri and uh, had a chance to minister there. So I got to give a special shout out to Pastor David Lee and the Guiding Star Church and uh, served there with them for three sessions, helping them to change and reset the culture of their church to become a disciple-making church. And they gave me a gift on my way out the door. Some of y'all can't even appreciate it. Uh, the Kansas City Monarchs, one of the original teams of the Negro Baseball League. Yeah. So, I, man, I've been waiting for a chance to wear it, y'all. I've been waiting for a chance to wear it. Uh, but I got a chance to go by the Negro League uh, Museum there in Kansas City. And uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the Negro Baseball League before, uh, African-Americans were allowed to play in the major leagues. Um, there was a series of leagues that were created from coast to coast where African-Americans were able to play. Uh, we know about Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier in baseball, um, but there were great, great players. And actually, you may not know this fact, that we actually had some members of our church who played in the Negro Leagues. Um, and played people like Satchel Paige and Doc Josh Gibson when they went on their barnstorming tours. Uh, some of you remember Sister Emiola Mills. Um, she was the mother of Sister Naomi McQueen, Mother Naomi McQueen. Brother John Mills, her husband, uh, was a pitcher in Negro Leagues uh, here in the Texas area. And they would um, work all day and then they would uh, play and, and um, because, you know, there was no big contracts then. They just played for the love of the game. And uh, I found out that one of the shortstops that played uh, in the Negro Leagues, one of the Negro League teams, was none other than our own Deacon Robert Scurry, who was the husband of Mother Scurry and was lead servant of the deacons here for many years. And so it was great being able to sit down and hear that history and then to be able to walk through and see the uh, life-size statues of people like Satchel Paige and Josh Gibson and the like. So I'm shouting out the Negro Baseball League today and, uh, man, excited about that. I want to uh, say to uh, everyone, man, what a tremendous, tremendous uh, summer God has blessed us to have as we move now into the fall of the year. We're just looking to go even higher in the Lord and I'm going to share some things with you. Uh, but I do want you to write this down somewhere. Put this in your phone. NACA.com. NACA.com. I want you to put that in your phone. Uh, write that down on your outline. This is the Neighborhood Assistance Corporation of America. They will be coming to Houston, but they have some other cities that they're going to, including Chicago. And they are a national home buying conference. Uh, NACA is one 
is actually credited as the first agency to blow the whistle on predatory lending, um, redlining in our community, and not giving people the opportunity to achieve home ownership and to build equity in their families. And so they've been working really, really hard. They're coming to Houston this weekend. That's the only reason I'm taking time because I want you to know Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, they will be here. Now, I want you all to listen to this. No down payment. They're going to help you get a house. No down payment. No closing costs. No mortgage insurance. No credit score. Interest rate below market fixed rate loans. Y'all, I've never heard of this before. Character-based lending. Character-based lending. And if you know somebody who is on Section 8 or public assistance, they can use their Section 8 voucher to qualify for a new house. Yeah, I know some of y'all are like, wait a minute, hold on, what was that, what was that address again, Pastor? What was that again? NACA.com. You can register. It is completely free to register. You can meet with somebody there, and they will help you to navigate this to come out of this with a new home. Can you imagine that? No credit score, no down payment, character-based lending. Now, I know some of us are characters, but y'all, I've never heard of no character-based lending. Uh, so you want to be a part of that. Listen, I want to let you all know our prayer and social justice caravan will be uh, moving on September the 30th. And if you'd like to be a part of that, go online and register. Uh, people will be in their vehicles. We'll be driving to different areas, praying for different areas and praying with people who desire to have prayer. Uh, the prayer and social justice caravan will be on September the 30th. September the 30th, which will be when? Next Saturday. Next Saturday. So you want to make sure that you're a part of it. Now, I do need to give you some uh, heads up. Next week, we have some judges who will be coming to worship with us. And one of the things they're going to be coming for, they're going to be looking for signatures to put themselves on the ballot. Um, you may not know this. I found this out through our own members, Judge Genesis Draper and Judge Nikita Harmon, that either you have to get signatures from the community or you have to pay like $2,500 or something to get on the ballot. And so it gives us an opportunity. And the reason we do it is because I want you to know your judges just in case you have to stand in front of one of them. Amen. You, you can just remind them they came by Good Hope and you was one of the people that signed for them. Amen. Um, so they're going to be here next week. And uh, they'll be here for the 8 o'clock and the 10 o'clock services. So if you see them, don't run by them. They're here with permission, and we want to uh, help them to get on the ballot to make sure that we have equal representation in the judicial branch of our county government. Amen? Amen. Um, rooted and grounded, make some noise. Now, now listen, I, you know what? I got some... I got some uh, I got some information, and it basically said that we were a little confused about rooted and grounded. So I asked Larry to put together a little chart for me and see if we can explain this so that everybody knows what's going on, and not just what's going on now, but where we're going, okay? So Larry, if you put that up for me, please. So rooted and grounded, everybody say rooted and grounded. 
Rooted and grounded, and for those of you who are watching around the world, rooted and grounded is our discipleship culture. It's the culture of our church. It's not a program. It's a culture. When we talked about the big reset back in 2022, it was around this idea of changing the culture of our church so that we would stop talking about coming to church and having church and we talk about being church. What does it mean for us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world? Making a difference, understanding that when we act as salt and light, we're not just doing it for the sake of the community, but we do it for our sake as well. Because that's when we walk in our purpose in terms of who and what God wants us to be. Our baseline curriculum in Rooted and Grounded, if you look at the chart, the baseline curriculum is rooted, right? So that's the baseline curriculum. That's not the end, y'all. That's just the beginning. And one of the reasons we've done multiple sessions of Rooted is because the goal was for you to move from just being a part of a group to helping to facilitate a group so that you were now going out and finding people who needed to have their lives rooted in God, to know God for themselves. Some of y'all went through it, and then you was like, oh, okay, I'm good now. And it's like, no, no, no. The whole purpose is when you get some good news, that you share that good news with somebody else. Amen? Y'all ain't say amen strong enough. Amen? Amen. So that's why we've been talking about, hey, man, get your group together. Start praying for friends, relatives, associates, neighbors. Start asking people why. So you could have a group, so you could help facilitate somebody. Remember, two kinds of people in the world. People who what? Need Jesus and people who know Jesus. They either need Jesus or know Jesus. That's it. So rooted is our baseline curriculum. Everybody who comes into our church, everybody who is going to be a member of our church has to complete Rooted. That's one of the curriculums they have to compete, complete if they are going to be a member of our church. So I've given everybody two years now. Now, if membership doesn't matter to you, cool. And we can strike your name right now. A amen. Right? I told y'all, I'm not trying to draw a crowd. I want an army. I want an army. Beyonce can draw a crowd. And they go right back to what they were doing after they leave that concert. I want an army of people who are committed to being used by God to make the world a better place. That's our goal. And everybody who has been in Rooted, you may not even realize that that's what you've done. Okay? So we did Rooted. We did our pilot groups. Go back to the chart, Larry, for me. We did church-wide. Now we're doing worldwide. And y'all, I want you to think about this because some of y'all, I'm convinced some of y'all just got the misinformation. We're in 12 different states, two different countries, without some of y'all even stepping back up because you didn't know that was what I was expecting, which means what? Man, we could be in 24 states and five different countries, right? If you just realize that God wants to use you. So... Worldwide, we got started two weeks ago, and then in January, everybody, come on, somebody say everybody. 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 
Everybody. We're going to be back rooted and grounded. Our discipleship culture, church-wide, we're going to be doing purpose-driven life beginning in January. So I need you to get ready. Now, some of us are going to still be doing rooted for our new members who are coming in. But for those of you who have been through rooted and grounded, if you've been through it, make some noise. All right. Praise God. So here's what I'm anticipating. I'm anticipating 500 to 700 people going through rooted and grounded in January between purpose-driven life and rooted as our baseline curriculum. Then when we come in the spring, what are we going to do? We got a new church-wide curriculum that we're going to be doing together. And we're still going to be offering rooted and rooted, and we're still going to be offering purpose-driven life for people who are coming behind you. Does that make sense? All right. Listen, I've got a special testimony to share with you from one of our virtual members. Special shout out to Brigetta Shai, uh, who is one of our virtual members. Uh, she is a uh, snowbird. She is from Houston. She lives in Akron, Ohio, when it's hot here. And then she lives in Houston when it's cold there. And, uh, but she has a great testimony. Her daughters attend here, and she got involved in Rooted. And, man, we're so excited for her commitment and what God is doing. And she's actually now, I said shout out to Brigetta. She's actually one of our online counselors on the digital platform from Akron, Ohio. Come on, let's give God a hand of praise. Come on, I want you to hear her story today. Today we are celebrating and highlighting Rooted and Grounded, which is the culture of our church. We believe that discipleship is not just the main thing, but it's the only thing that we should be doing in the church to help people who need Jesus come to know Jesus and to help people who know Jesus grow in Jesus. And we want to celebrate those who have participated in our discipleship ministry on the digital platform. Now, some may say, well, how can you disciple on the digital platform? It's real simple. First of all, discipleship must always take place in the context of relationships our relationship with God vertically, our relationship with one another horizontally, Larry, Larry, and our Larry, relationship. Larry, and our I, know, I know this is going to take more time, but I need y'all to reset that. It looks like a bad Chinese movie. Amen. I, I, I need the mouth and the words lined up, y'all. I'm, I'm sorry. Just, just bothering me. I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting for some kung fu moves to come out. <laughs> All right, let's try it again. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Well, y'all remember the kung fu movies when the man was talking and they, right? They were, they were talking in Chinese, but the translation in the English was not lining up with the mouth. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Amen. All right. Today, we are celebrating and highlighting rooted and grounded, which is the culture of our church. We believe that discipleship is not just the main thing, but it's the only thing that we should be doing in the church to help people who need Jesus come to know Jesus and to help people who know Jesus grow in Jesus. And we want to celebrate 
those who have participated in our discipleship ministry on the digital platform. Now, some may say, well, how can you disciple on the digital platform? It's real simple. First of all, discipleship must always take place in the context of relationships, our relationship with God vertically, our relationship with one another horizontally, and our relationship and our connectivity to community. And we believe that we can have a viable discipleship experience on the digital platform. I tell people all the time, one of my lifelines during uh, COVID-19 when I couldn't get out of the house was a group of pastors and preachers from around the country who would meet two, three times a week on the digital platform. And even though many of them I had never met before, I'm telling you it was a lifeline because the interaction was real. The fellowship was real. We've taken that now and applied it to the digital platform in regards to discipleship. And I'm so excited to have uh, one of our virtual members, one of our people who connected with us on the digital platform. And she's been doing a tremendous job, not only in being discipled and helping the disciple others, but to also listen carefully, get actively involved in our ministry and encouraging other people on the digital platform, even though she is not in the Houston metropolitan area, at least not yet. That's none other than Brigetta Shy. Miss Brigetta, what's going on, lady? Hi. Now, listen, you know, so I, I said you're not uh, in Houston yet, but you are a native Houstonian. Yes, I am. I'm a native Houstonian. I graduated from Jack Yates High School, class of 76, and I attended college at North Texas State. Oh, man. Okay. So now tell everybody where you're living right now. Right now, I am Akron, Ohio. This is where King James lives, LeBron James. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm in his hometown, and it's uh, it's much smaller than Houston. And uh, I'm kind of like a transplant. I kind of stay up here when it's too hot to stay in Texas. And then I come back down when it is nice and cool, kind of like uh, a little bit after hurricane season, all right, where I can kind of enjoy my family. My two daughters live there and attend Good Hope. And um, my dad is still living. He's at this 90 years old and have two brothers there. Talk a little bit about that cardboard testimony and what that meant to you as you started looking at your life. Because I, 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 I'm, I'm convinced that a lot of times, you know, we get past stuff and we get through stuff. We don't necessarily get over it. And we don't necessarily take the time to resolve issues so that they don't come back up later on. Um, but let's talk a little bit about that cardboard testimony and what that meant to you. Mine was that I, I, I felt like he was uh, speaking to me where I, I wanted to serve. I have lived in various cities and I worked in Bay County. I always went to church and always found myself in big churches so I can, uh, you know, be involved. But I never felt comfortable uh, in serving. And so that was, you know, kind of intimidation or because I didn't live in that city or belong there or whatever. Um, so I was always a little intimidated by that. But now I feel like uh, just going through the rooted and grounded, I, I just feel like uh, he was speaking to me. I felt like the 
it was something I can do now uh, to, to uh, you know, take, be a part of the church. You know, I really wanted to serve in some kind of capacity with my lifestyle right now. And that's what was kind of holding me back. Uh, I'm kind of, um, um, what's the word, uh, versatile where I, I move around a lot and I wanted to find something where I can serve and continue to serve wherever I am. And that's what virtually, you know, uh, where I'm, yeah. what I'm doing now with the church, with the online, because most churches have the online um, uh, streaming and you can participate in that wherever you are in, in the United States. Uh, and, and they're always needing help. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Well, Brigetta Shy, thank you so much. I, I appreciate you uh, more than you know. You know, when I first got word that we had people who were coming in from other states, I was, I was blown away just to see how God moved and to hear your testimony and to hear how God met you and used the digital platform to help change your life and to build relationships that you have now here in Houston. So when you come back south in the wintertime, um, I, I don't know if you would be called a snowbird or a sunbird. I'm not sure which one. Uh, but when you come back, when it gets uh, a little cool up there and the snow starts falling up there, you'll be I, back down that. here. Uh, but I, I just want to tell you thank you so much and, and thank you for the privilege of allowing us to just pour in your life and encourage you uh, and for you to be encouraging your daughters and other people, that's really what discipleship is all about. Making disciples who make disciples, encouraging exactly. one another, iron sharpening iron to help each other. And so I just want to tell you, thank you for allowing God to lead you in this way and allowing God to use you to bless somebody else. Well, thank God for that. Now, this week, we move into week three of our life groups, How Does God Speak to Us? And I hope and pray those of you who are in life groups, those of you who are facilitating life groups, that you uh, are experiencing the building of community and the building of camaraderie. I'm so grateful for the life group that I'm hosting this uh, session. We have about 15 to 16 brothers, and it's been an absolutely wonderful, wonderful beginning and looking forward to God doing some great things in and through the lives of the brothers who are in my group. And I hope that you are excited about what God wants to do in your life as well. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time. Father, we bless you and we thank you for today. We pray now that everything that we do and everything that we say will be pleasing in your sight. God, may you be glorified. May your people be edified. May the devil be horrified by the life change that will occur. It's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these blessings. Amen. So this week, after my life group met on Thursday, on Friday, one of the life group members commented to me, this was this first time experiencing life group, how blessed he was by the life group and what was shared and the interaction and the building camaraderie in the group. And then he made a statement. He said, Pastor, he said, I, I got to tell you something. I was really surprised at how many of the brothers are hurting. How many of them are going through things 
in life. And I was thinking to myself, how many of us are surprised that other people are going through what in actuality we are experiencing and going through in our own lives? Uh, it shouldn't be a shock. It shouldn't be a surprise. John 16, says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows. It's not an if, it's a win. James 1, 2 says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Whether those trials are in your head, your heart, your home, or your health, all of us go through trials in life. And the one thing God challenges us to do when we go through trials in order to make it through those difficulties is to learn how to pray. Now, when I say pray, I'm not talking about um, a, a, a mealy mouth prayer. I'm not talking about praying in a way that you know, is rote. I'm not talking about a recited prayer or even necessarily a read prayer, but I'm talking about a conversation that you have with God that God wants to have with you. Luke 18.1 says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. What's interesting is while most of us pray in our bad times, we don't necessarily pray like we should in our good times. And God does not tell us to just pray when things are going well. God tells us to pray at all times. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. That we should always be prayerful. We should be prayerful because of what we are facing in front of us, we should be prayerful about what we're going through presently. We should be prayerful about what God has brought us out of. We should be praying in the good times, praying in the bad times, because watch this. Prayer is more about us becoming more like God and less about us getting stuff from God. See, most of us equate prayer to gimme, 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 gimme. God, I need this. God, I want this. God, I desire this in Jesus' name. And what we fail to understand is prayer is never intended to be a monologue but a dialogue. It's us talking to God. It's giving God an opportunity to talk to us, and it's about us becoming more like the one we talk to and the more like the one who talks to us. So today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought Praying your way through. Praying your way through. And we're spelling pray, P-R-A-Y, of the praying as an acronym. Praying your way through life. Praying your way through life. Four things I want you to see today that I hope and pray will remind some of you and inform some of you of the power of prayer and how you can structure your prayer so that you can have great communion and fellowship with God. Now, when we talk about praying, most of us think about praying and we think about going to God and telling God this is what we need. 
I want to broaden your definition of prayer, and I want to help you develop your prayer life in such a way that while we have our prayer experiences in our life groups coming up this week, those of you who have gone through Rooted and you know what that prayer experience is like, that you make a commitment this week wherever you are to pray at least one hour, one day a week. At least one hour, one day a week that you would spend that time with God. Most of us, let's be honest, when we pray, if God hears from us 10 minutes, that's a long time. Now, imagine if somebody called you on the phone, talked for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and when they got through talking, they hung up the phone. You say, wait a minute, what you called me for? You just needed a sounding board? You just needed some place to vent? Do you want to hear my opinion? Do you want to hear what I think about a situation, a circumstance? And most times, we think of prayer as one-way communication. Here's the first thing. Number one, you must pray your way through life by giving praise to God. You must pray your way through life by giving praise to God. Psalm 34, verse 1, let's read it together. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now, here's what's interesting. We so narrowly define praise, we so narrowly define blessing the Lord that we think we can only do it on Sunday morning in a corporate worship setting. We don't understand that praise and blessing God and worship is not an event, it's a lifestyle. Let me say it again. It's not an event, it's a lifestyle. I can give God praise, I can bless the name of the Lord wherever I am all the time. So when the psalmist says, I will bless the Lord at all times, he is not just talking about in every situation and circumstance, but even in terms of chronos, chronological time, I can bless God because watch this, my praise of God does not have to always be audible and vocalized, but it should always be present in my heart. There should always be an attitude of gratitude, of thankfulness and praise to God that undergirds everything I do and everything that I say. That word bless, that act of adoration, is to be given to God and to God alone. Uh, The word praise comes from the word halal. Uh, Tehillah is the word that is appearing there. And it denotes giving a quality of praise based on the praiseworthiness of the one to whom we are giving praise. So when we talk about praising God, when we talk about thanking God, when we talk about reflecting on both what God has done and who God is, we do it based on his worthiness. Listen to me carefully. One of the reasons I believe, and I'm giving you now a model for prayer, those of you who are watching from around the country, I'm giving you a fourfold model for prayer. Here's what I need to uh, emphasize today. 
One of the reasons you don't want to start your prayer without praising God is because in praising God, you remind yourself of how awesome the God is that you are praying to. See, see, you've got to remember, watch this, in prayer, you are not complaining and bringing big problems to a little God. You've got to remind yourself that you serve a great big God and all you're doing is bringing little problems to a great big God. And even when those problems in your life seem too big for you, they pale in comparison when you compare them to the size of our God. But let's be honest. We typically feel worse. We are the most down. We are the most depressed. We are the most anxious when we look at how feeble we are and how big the issues in life are that we're dealing with. And as long as we keep ourselves in the forefront we will miss the opportunity to trust God. You've got to praise him to remind yourself of how awesome God is. Look at Ephesians 5.20. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Let's read it together. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus Christ for you, acknowledging how great God is and to thank him for the great things he has done. I want you to write next to your outline somewhere 15 minutes, 15 minutes. Now you say, how can I praise him? You can praise him any number of ways. You might give him audible praise. You might meditate on praise. You might even listen to some songs that help you to get in that frame of mind of praising God. Songs that remind you of the awesomeness of God. Sometimes those songs will sing about God. Sometimes those songs will be worshipful and will move you to sing to God. But 15 minutes, all right? Number two, you must pray your way through life by repenting for sin. By repenting for sin. Uh, Matthew 3, verses 1 and 2, in those days... John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4, 17, from that time Jesus began to preach saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mark chapter 6, verse 12, so they, the disciples, went out and proclaimed that people should repent. There is a common theme throughout the preaching and teaching ministry of John the Baptist, Jesus, and the disciples, and it can be summarized in one word, I believe, repent. Uh, repentance speaks to this idea of changing one's mind or one's purpose, which involves in a change for the better. It is making a 180-degree turn in a specific area. It's doing an about-face. It's recognizing that I not only should be sorrowful for what I've done, but I've got to make a change in what I am going to do moving forward. Here's the problem for many believers. The problem is we confuse conviction with an automatic change in conduct. 
So we hear a sermon and we are convicted. The preacher's not stepping on our toes. He's trying to jam his foot in our shoe while our foot is still in the shoe, right? I mean, we are convicted. It's like, it's so bad that we think the preacher has actually written a sermon for us. Let me give you an example of how egocentric that can be. Somebody right now, the Holy Spirit is convicting you, and you thinking, how the preacher know that? I've had people come to church on Sunday, literally, and thought that I changed the sermon because they were here. Now, you're talking about the height of arrogance. That you actually, first of all, can I tell you all something with these lights? And I typically have, have a condition where when I'm preaching, I can't see past the third row. Right? And with these lights, if you've ever stood up here, you can hardly see the first row. So if you're sitting there and you think, oh, pastor, preacher, did you tell him? He, looking at your wife, looking at your, you said something to pastor, didn't you? Man, I got better things to do than to write a sermon about you. You, you think God actually going, if I got a message for you, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to pick up the phone and call you. But I'm not going to take sermon time to write once a sermon to get you. God loves you. I don't like you enough to do that. I ain't going to spend 30, 40 hours writing a sermon for you. Let me just pick up the phone. Are y'all with me here? God calls us to repent. That means acknowledging that I'm wrong but not stopping there. Doing what I need to do to get right. To change my attitude and to change my actions. And here's what God wants you to understand. Repentance, sorrow that results in a change in my actions and my attitude is necessary for salvation, but it's also necessary for sanctification because we're all still in the process of becoming. Are you hearing me? If you think you have arrived, then go on and tell God to take you to heaven right now. Because he's still working on me. He's still molding me. He's still, I'm getting better. I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where, if somebody walked up to you and said, oh, I know your pastor, and you said, how long ago did you know him? Because over the last year, I'm getting better. Over the last two years, I'm getting better. Over the last three years, I'm, if they say something like, oh, five years ago, oh, God, that's ancient history, y'all. Because God is doing too much in my life. So repent to confess specific sins you have committed and turn away by making a commitment to not commit those sins again. I'm going to do better. Right in the margin, 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Isaiah 55, 7, let's read it together. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Let's continue this topical expositional message. Number three, 
You must pray your way through life by asking God for help. You must pray your way through life by asking God for help. Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Um, This idea of asking is to make a request. It is to desire something, uh, some might translate this word to beg or to call for something. Uh, It's typically somebody who is in a lesser position asking for assistance from somebody who is in a superior position. Not speaking to lesser or superior in terms of their person, but in terms of lesser or superior in terms of their ability to meet that express need. Look at John 14, verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, when most of us think of prayer, we think of asking God for stuff. But here's what we fail to realize. Part of our asking is rooted in our perception of who God is and our perception of who we are. And when we fail to understand who God truly is, and then we fail to understand who we we really are, we're going to ask for some stuff that we really don't have any business asking for. Let me put a quarter in the meter and park here for a second. Some of our requests that we make to God is rooted in an inflated view of ourselves that we have of ourselves because we've been taught erroneously by too many theological pontificators that somehow we deserve more than we actually have and God is obligated to do more than he's actually doing. We never hear the balance of that message. That many times in our lives, there's a cause and effect relationship between our desires and what we receive from God. Let me give you an example. It's amazing how many times we pray for a miracle and we want God to perform a miracle, but we don't want to do our part to receive a miracle from God. Let me get more personal. Miracles in the Bible typically follow obedience. When you do your part, God is more likely to do what you cannot do. What is your part? Let me see if I can meddle because y'all are real quiet today. 
So if you have a problem with physical health, let's say diabetes, and you know you are diabetic, and know your wife and your husband did not tell me to preach this today for you. You know you're diabetic. And you eat what you shouldn't eat. And you drink what you shouldn't drink. And your sugar goes up. And doctors talking about cutting off body parts. Don't pray and ask God to heal you of diabetes when you won't eat right to facilitate your own healing. Because you can't outpray a bad diet. Y'all not praying with me. You got to pray, but you got to put some work into your prayer. You can have faith, but faith without works is what? Dead. So you don't mind. Pray, Lord, heal me of my diet. Heal, heal me. And you got honey buns and moon pies and sweet tea with extra sugar in it. Come on now. You got to take responsibility for your part and then trust God to do what you can't do. John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Look at the connection between what you ask and producing fruit. Then verse 17, these things I command you so that you will love one another. Hold on. If what I ask does not produce fruit and does not produce more love coming from me, then guess what? I'm praying amiss. I'm asking amiss because I should not be asking for things that are going to make me love people less. I should be praying for things that are going to make me love people more. Because that's God's desire for my life. Look at John 16, verses 23 and 24. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name, asking you will receive, wait a minute, that your joy may be filled. Which means what? What I ask if it doesn't result in me loving others and bring joy to my life, not happiness, but joy to my life rooted in my relationship with the Lord. God says, you've been praying amiss. So asking God what you want, what you need, and knowing that he reserves the right according to his will and his wisdom to answer accordingly. Right down next to that, 15 minutes. 15 minutes. All right? Here's the last thing. Number four, you must pray your way through life by yielding to God's direction for your life. You must pray your way through life by yielding to God's direction for your life. Second Chronicles 30, verse 8. Do not now be stiff-necked as your fathers were. But yield yourselves to the Lord and come to his sanctuary. 
which he has consecrated forever. And serve the Lord, your God, that his fierce anger may turn away from you. Uh, that word, word yield means to give forth, to give over, or to give up. He says, yield yourselves. Now, what's interesting is this middle idea of the action, this middle voice, right? That, that it's something that you have to do, that you should do. You should yield yourself. God, what are you saying? What do you want me to do? And am I willing to yield myself to be obedient to God or am I going to fight with God? Some of us fight with God, and here's what we need to understand. You don't have to throw punches to fight with God. Sometimes you're fighting with God is your own passive aggressiveness. It's your determination to act as if you know better and God doesn't know better. Can I ask you a question? How has that worked out for you so far? That idea of, you know, I know what God is saying, but... I know what God wants, but I don't have time. Hold, hold on. The God who gives you time, you, you too busy for God? Some, some of y'all, you know, Pastor, you know, I, I like that rooted, I like that rooted and grounded. I like those life groups, but Pastor, I'm just too busy. You too busy for God? How, do you need God to clear your schedule? Is there anybody in here who has had God clear your schedule? Yeah. And, and God, when he clears your schedule and puts you flat on your back, put, put you in a place where what you always have done, you can't do, or you can't do it for yourself. Lord, have mercy. when God clears your schedule, he'll show you what's really important. He'll show you what really matters in life. Look at Joshua 24. Beginning at verse 23. Now then, said Joshua, the NIV reads, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. We will serve the Lord our God and obey him. Uh, that word yield means to be quiet after you've spoken to God and listen for what God is saying to you. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and not just be a hearer, but be a doer. Now, how does God speak to you? I don't know how God speaks to you. Some, the word of God. Some, it may be the confirmation of the spirit of God when you hear a song. Uh, some, you may be reading something, and God will say, that's what I want you to do, right? How does God speak to you? Now, once you discover that, the question is, are you willing to listen, and are you willing to obey? Put down next to that 15 minutes. So PRAY, acronym. P stands for what? Praise. R stands for? 
Repent, A stands for ask, and the Y stands for yield. If you give 15 minutes to each of those areas, guess what you have done? You have prayed an hour. You remember when Jesus said to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, could you not tarry one hour? He said, stay here, watch and pray. And then he went, and then he came back, and what were they doing? It was sleep. And he said, could you not tarry one hour? And then he went back, and he came back, and what were they doing? Sleep again. Now, y'all, can I be honest with you? I took that as a spiritual challenge. I don't know if you ever have. And I said, I'm going to pray an hour. I'm going to pray an hour. I'm going to pray an hour. And, man, I don't know what happened around 20 minutes. About 20 minutes, y'all, I was like, man, what in the world is going on? And you know why I did that? I'm going to tell you why. Because I defined pray by asking. And I couldn't think of nothing else to ask for. I was asking. I was rolling out my ask. I was rolling out my ask. And after about 20 minutes, 20, I was like, okay, I ain't got nothing else to pray about. I said, well, all right, Lord, I'll see if I can do better next time. And God had to teach me, no, praying is more than you just asking. You, you got to give me some praise. You got to repent of some stuff that you've been doing, stuff that you've done, stuff that you've left undone, right? Sins of commission, things that I've done, sins of omission, things I have not done. I got to repent. Because as much as I may think I'm right, I need the Holy Spirit to show me some areas where I am wrong, flat wrong. And I need to make some shifts and some changes and some commitments to God to change my life. That's why I tell you who I was five years ago is not who I am now because I've made a commitment. I want to be better. And I'm not asking God to justify who I was. I'm saying, God, no, help me now to become who you want me to be. So somebody said, oh, man, I knew your past 10 years ago. Ooh, different man. Holy Ghost been working on me, y'all. Right? I want to be all that God wants me to be. And I'm still in the process of becoming. Ask. I need some room to ask God for some things. And then I need to sit silent and yield myself. And say, Lord, what are you saying? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. This week, in our prayer experience, you got three hours in your group. And it sounds like a long time, y'all, but I promise you it's not. You got one hour to talk about different scriptures about prayer. One hour. Multiple scriptures. In your group, you have one hour to pray by yourself. I just gave you a formula. Now, listen, you can adjust it. You may, you may, hey, I may not have much to ask God for. I may just be thankful. Let me spend 20 minutes in praise and 20 minutes repenting and 20 minutes just listening to God, right? You can adjust it as you see fit. One hour to pray by yourself and then one hour to come back and share what God has been saying to each of you. 
one of the commands we have is to pray for one another. And you know what I've discovered? Maybe it's just me. Um, it's hard to stay mad when you pray for somebody. Think about the person that, that angers you the most, gets on your nerves the most, and it's probably the person you pray for the least. I'll, I'll take that silence as conviction. Amen. Right? I, I love somebody. And guess what? I need to pray for them. In their, wicked, in their wickedness and sometimes in their weaknesses, I still got to learn to pray for them. Am I willing to cover them in prayer? Because there's something divine about praying for somebody. And we got the example with Jesus. Remember he's on the cross? They crucified him. Lied on him, spit on him. Right? He goes through this kangaroo court, this mock trial. They find him guilty, even though he did nothing wrong. Nail him to the cross. On the cross! Jesus prays for him. Y'all, can you imagine? Father, forgive him. Because they don't know what they're doing. Have you ever prayed for somebody that nailed you to a figurative cross? Y'all, I'm, I'm convicted right now. I'm thinking about the man who, who set me up on my job to fail and knew he was going to get me and God took what was meant for evil and turned it around for my good. But y'all, I ain't pray for him one time. I, I, I'm confessing. When, as a matter of fact, when he got demoted, after I left the department, he got demoted. I, I'm almost ashamed to tell you. I was like, you reap what you sow. Right? Listen, you can quote the Bible and still be in your flesh. I'm quoting scripture, y'all. I'm all up in my bed. Ah, yeah, you reap what you sow. What goes around comes around. Payback is a, y'all you know, know what payback is. I, I, I'm just saying, I, oh, man. I, but I, I didn't pray for him. And I'm saying to you all, this week, make this a powerful time. That separate prayer experience, make it a powerful time. A time for you to commune with God like never before. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Um, God, the choir sang such a powerful song. We know what prayer can do. But in the midst of everything that prayer can do with our situations and our circumstances, we not only can confess that prayer changes things, but help us to leave today knowing prayer can change us. To make us more like you. To walk in obedience to your word your will and your way. We thank you 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.